4,000 feet uh, speed, uh, 180 knots, one double jingle. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails. It's Fly Alyssa. Hi, and it's Fly Girl Kelly. How have you been doing, Natalie? I feel like we have so much to talk about, and I feel like we need to get together soon. I know, I miss you. I miss your cute face. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we can't see our cute faces on this episode, right? <laughs> right. Right. Well, I know we're going to talk about Heather a little bit, but I thought we could talk a little bit about um, just some other things that are going on with us. You went on a little trip with a doggy passenger. Yes, we, uh, on a spurt of the moment, uh, decided to hop on over to a friend's grass trip in Indiana a couple weekends ago. And it was just a very small uh, little barbecue get together when you live at an airport uh, or a air community, you know, it's pretty convenient, right? Your friends can fly in and uh, yeah, we ended up having some bad weather. So we stayed overnight, took my pilot friend Smudge and yeah, we had so much fun. So I'm looking to the, looking forward to those adventures in the upcoming months. And yeah. 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 So what do you need special for a dog that's flying? Well, we're finding these things out. Um, this is my significant other's dog. She's a lab retriever mix. And she is actually a wonderful pet to take flying. We didn't have a headset for her. The mutt muffs are so yeah. adorable. We decided to order some pink ones for her. Want to make sure that her ears are protected. She didn't seem to bother be bothered by it much. But on takeoff, she was a little anxious. Oh. So. So Hooker Harness has um, made us a harness little leash to cook, hook onto her harness. That yeah. She is seat belted in for takeoffs and landings, just like we are. And yeah. um, that's a little custom thing they made for us. And then, you know, some cute fly gear for the dog. Yeah. Where do you buy fly gear for a pup? Well, I'm finding this out. Uh, Mutt Muffs is apparently a really great avenue to go and by searching for them I found some other things uh there was a website called like safe pilot something or other and um pilot mall oh yeah I mean there's some there's some different things everywhere but it's just trying to find and I've also of course contacted you and be like so when are you gonna make a bandana with the flag go on it you know so that's such a simple thing to stamp right so I feel everybody should have a dog bandana just yeah. Well, I have a dog, but I've never thought about taking her flying because she's like really an anxious kind of dog. Like, I don't think she'd Mine like too. it at all. Mine too. I have a French bulldog and a pug. And I mean, I've been flying for three years, but there's never been that perfect opportunity to take them. I also feel like with two, it's hard because if I take one from home, the other one's anxious about it. And if I take both of them, it's just too much. Yeah. And I don't want them to get sick or something. So his dog is like the best dog in the entire world. So yeah. my dog, not so much. So, yeah. so I was just thinking, you know, I, I'm really excited about Smudge flying now and she loved it and the adventure, but definitely have to be more careful with my yeah. dog. Being more yeah. dogs. So. 
So your dogs are kind of anxious. You're saying, do they like, if they're together, is it better for them to be together? Yeah, I feel like uh, they get a little anxious if I split them up. Like if I take one of them upstairs to like give them a bath, the other one is like going crazy. Or if I have to take one of them to the vet, uh, they're just very like, why are you taking her? What are you doing? Are you doing something fun? You know, it's like kids being jealous or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just have never taken them. Right. Are they, are they like really blood related or no? No. One's a pug and one's a Frenchie. So. Okay. No. Okay. Well, I'm not a huge dog person, so I don't really know the difference. But because they like to go together everywhere, I thought maybe they were actually really siblings. That's hilarious. No. Well, they've been raised. They're only six months apart, so they've been pretty much raised together. They're eight years old now, yeah. and so yeah, they're just they're they're pretty good dogs for the most part, but a little bit anxious. Mm-hmm. So before we get into Heather, because Heather has a little pooch that flies with her. Have you seen her Instagram pictures of her dog? I mean, Heather and I are just like new besties because of the steering thing. But yeah, I'm, I haven't seen her pup. So I'm Oh my gosh. Yeah. She posts pictures of it. Apparently it it really is comfortable in the cockpit because it looks like it's always trying to fly in the pictures. (laughs) Yeah. That's my goal eventually is. Smudge is kind of glued to the seat right now. Like you try to move her in flight and she's like braced against the seat. She's comfortable and she's laying down or whatnot, but I think she'll get more used to it and maybe sit up more, you know, whatnot. But we were trying to get cute pictures. He he was trying to get cute pictures of her and she really wasn't cooperating. (laughs) Oh, she wasn't having it, huh? So yeah. She doesn't like her picture taken. I mean, if she's around me enough, she'll, yeah. she'll okay. You got you to gotta fix that for sure. <laughs> Every fly girl has to be photogenic. Yes, exactly. So, okay. So do you want to get into Heather or is there anything else you want to chat, chat about? What have you been up to lately? I know I've seen your airplane is in maintenance. So yes. that makes yeah. me feel like a little bit of our hearts ripped out. So yeah, have you right. been buying anything else or what, what have you been up to? Well, I'm glad you asked because, you know, I had this video come out um, yesterday that talked a little bit about things that I want people to focus on if they ever have an emergency landing, the things that I thought were super important. And I know you and I had talked about possibly doing a podcast on the event and so many people have asked um, questions about it. And, I, you know, I'm, I hesitate because it's still in the shop and I'm pretty certain about, you know, what exactly went wrong, but I kind of wanted to have everything that went wrong in the airplane itself and, and create a video about when you purchase a new plane, you know, these are things you can look for. Right. And all these little things kind of led to like all these little pieces kind of led to this whole well I mean in hindsight going back I really trusted this airplane and when you buy a new airplane it's not like your other airplanes that you've had or you You really need to to trust it yet right treat it as so yes I think a lot of it um you know we feel very emotional about the situation and definitely when people are questioning okay so you haven't said what happened or whatnot but I don't think they understand. Um, we just want to make sure everything is legit. Everything has been gone over. 
and that we relay the best portion of everything um, and lay it out for everybody that way. I just want to include all the info and um, there, you know, there are a few people that know exactly what happened up to this point and know that my airplane's in the shop and there are things that we're trying to address. I really want to be able to create something where, and you know, I like to focus on women, but this could be for men as well. When you buy an airplane so that you're super confident having some kind of checks or test flights that you do and know your airplane really, really well before you set off on, on long trips and to be patient, you know, and figure it out beforehand and don't assume that everything is working as you thought, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Cause you and I are like, Hey, we're good people. We do good things. We looked over every nut and bolt on our own stuff, but, and we'd not want to sell or, you know, miss something if we looked at, you know, but you don't know um, that everything else is legit. So yeah. And it's a little different because it's an experimental. There are things I've learned about it that, you know, if it was a certificated airplane, things that you really can trust have been checked out because they're a little bit stricter on certain things um, with a certificated airplane. It's different with an experimental. Right. Um, I've learned, but I don't want people to be afraid of buying experimentals. There's just a few other things you need to educate yourself on and understand that they're different. Absolutely commendable that you're waiting to get all of the pieces together and then present it. I think you're yeah. great the other day. So it's a bit uh, overwhelming because there's so many different things that I can discuss about it. So many different facets and it can be very technical or, and of course the whole incident was really emotional. I mean, you know, that first week afterwards, I was just, I felt stuck. I felt just like overwhelmed with how close to death we were. Girl, there was a Cessna 180 uh, engine out in St. Louis this weekend, and I wanted to send you the picture so badly, but I didn't because I I just kept thinking, you know, that could have been us. And the guy survived it. He's having multiple, multiple surgeries in the hospital for a long time. But he survived it. But at the same time, like, had we been in a populated area that we couldn't get out of and those kind of things, like, those are things that run through my head now. And yeah, that's that's where we were at in that first week. You know, like, it could have been so much worse. But we were very lucky and used our training. So, so very lucky. I mean, so many things just lined up perfectly. And I, I say that, you know, I'm fairly, I like, I believe in God and everything that God just like cleared a path for us because there were so many things that could have gone wrong. And, um, you know, I think um, we're here and we need to be able to use that in a way that can keep other people safe, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I just felt bad, you know, that first week, you know, I don't, I didn't really know how you were processing it. I felt you know, when we got out and we we made it, it hit me how I'd be interested to hear what you felt like because you were kind of, at, you know, you were right, relying on me. You really yeah. had no control 
over what happened. Yeah, the funny thing is, is like when when it all went down, I don't know what came over me, but I'm like, not today. We are not doing this today. Like, ATC being like, how many people are on board? And I'm like, oh, no, she didn't. She did not just ask that. So, you know, I've heard all of these transmissions and transmissions of accidents and things before. And so I kind of knew what would transpire, like our conversation back and forth. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, no, she didn't. And so (laughs) that was the point I was like, nope, we are not a number. We are not a statistic. We are going to land this plane. There's two of us. We can do this. And I was like, I just have to make Natalie focus on flying the airplane because I have no other choice. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. And, and I, I realize now how the back seat of an RV8, I felt very vulnerable. Yeah. The way you sit is differently. You kind of like, I've tried to explain this to people. I'm like, it's kind of like a bobsled. Yeah. Well, it started all over again where you said it's kind of like a bobsled. So I feel like the RV-8A, your airplane, is kind of like a bobsled. And I've tried to explain this to people in a way that makes sense that your feet are kind of straight out and just they kind of sink down in these little holes. So even before we took out from Jacksonville and going there, I felt like this is a really weird position to sit in the back. And I had the stick, but I've never flown the RVA, So like, if I, you know, and it's not mine to fly kind of thing. And I'm not a huge stick pilot. So, um, or I just don't have a ton of time. Yeah, so it was yeah. just kind of like all of these different things that it was odd. And I had no community. I had no, uh, radios in the back. I mean, there's yeah. nothing in the back. I can't see the dash at all to see any of the panel. I was kind of in a hole, like the whole time I was trying to like lift myself up to see out better. Yeah, Cause I'm sure. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, a bobsled, like where you're stuck, and you can kind of see over the sides. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, I, I mean, yeah. most people probably haven't fl- been in a bobsled, but I have, so <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Well, and after you know, you and I had talked about. Um, there's so many little lessons we've learned, but one of them was in the case of of you. Like I should have an emergency checklist for the passenger. Right. And Especially if it's a pilot, you know, you assume a pilot would just know what to do. Yeah. But you don't know that plane, you know. And you have to you have to think about like what can my passenger or my my co-pilots do to help me? Because if say this is a an airplane and we were flying it, I don't know what they call a two seater, you know, like a normal two seater, a side by side. Okay. So say we were flying a side by side and this happened. We would have been either you said fly the plane, keep it at the speed, and you could have done some things to, yeah. you know, whatever. And we could have dually managed the airplane. But if this wasn't established before you took off, you also might be in that weird, like, helpless phase of, like, I don't know what I can do to help you. Or you could have been, like, fighting me off. Or I, you know, like, so I feel like there's things like the checklist that could have been valuable that I could have from the back seat. It it wasn't the first thing that popped in my head to like find it. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it just wasn't something in the back seat like it normally is accessible. So 
So I was like, yeah, you should just put one of those, like a sticker on the back of the seat or a little pamphlet in the back that just kind of goes through like in case of an emergency, A, B, C, D, E, you know, Um, and that gives them something to focus on as well and not panic. Right. And you totally could have, um, and we talked about this too, taken over like the comms, except that we found out my backseat comms don't actually go transmit. There's a button, button, but it doesn't actually transmit. I mean, you and I can hear each other, but it doesn't do anything. So that's actually something that's being corrected right now in the airplane. I'm having that added. Well, the other thing for me was like, I could have, I could have kept airspeed, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I couldn't see the airspeed. Yeah. So how do you keep airspeed if you can't see it, you know? And yeah. and you knew what to keep it at. You knew what the airplane felt like. It, 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 there's just things that you can kind of give to other people as a job to help manage the cockpit totally. that we hadn't thought about yeah. prior to this. And so it's definitely made me aware of some other things that, um, would be great training. Yeah. Do you think you've um, implemented anything differently since you've been flying yourself? I definitely fly about twice as high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. Because so, why? Explain why. Uh, well, when this, when the engine started to sputter with us, we were at like four and a half, five thousand feet descending or something. So I feel like. Had we been flying at two or 3,000 feet, what I normally fly at, I fly at 3,000, 3,500, 4,500, something like that. Had this happened then, we would have been in bigger trouble. And you just don't have as much time to react and that kind of thing. So, you know, if you're just hopping from airport to airport 30 miles away, which is what most people do, fine. But if I'm flying to Indiana or somewhere I'm definitely going to take the time to climb up. It's going to take me a little bit longer to climb, but totally worth it. Right point. For the time, right? Uh, The other thing is, you know, just making sure I write every little thing down. Anything I've checked, anything double-checked. I just checkpoints. I I was kind of really adamant about when I was in my flight training, like, putting like these little checkpoint things in to check everything. And then I would write down what I did at that checkpoint, like look over everything and like temperatures, you know, that kind of stuff on fuel, uh, oil tabs, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And just make sure you write them down because like you might see something different, you know, like when you land, be like, Oh, that went way higher in this one portion or it got more heated at the end or whatever. So, doing that, you know, just, just little things. But I used to do that like super hardcore in the beginning of my training. And, you know, you start flying a little bit more, you get a little more comfortable, uh, stall training, doing other kinds of training, because, you know, once we get our license and kind of move on, you're like, Oh, well, fun flying now, you know, right. And when you go to a new aircraft or you're like, oh, I need to get current or something, you might do some stalls or some turns or, you know, whatever. But I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time I did a steep turn or in, in kept minimum, you know what I mean? Like on purpose, yeah, right. you know, kept those in, unless you're training. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's stuff like that that we all need to make sure we're diligent about. Maybe just write in your logbook like, hey, I 
I went through my safety procedures this day. Hey, I went through this this day. And, you know, keep to those, you know, 90 day at least that you've yeah. done these things. Yeah. Because I think, you know, going through the emergency checklist for us, you know, gets really comfortable in training, but then we kind of like lose sight of that too later. Yeah. yeah. It's not like a repetition. So like, I kind of want to just like get in go through my emergency checklist on the ground. Renee, that's an aerobatic pilot. She, we were talking about the emergency and she's like, she's like, every time I get in the plane, I simulate that I have to eject and use my parachute. So yeah. what I have to do to release myself so that it's just natural, you yeah. know, like here, 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 up canopy, you know, yeah. just, just yeah. that it's, when it does happen, you're not going to pack and be like, what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> so. so true. And I don't think like, I don't typically do that. I think a lot of people don't right. like once they're through with training, you're kind of like, yeah, that's not really fun. I don't really want to do that anymore. But if you did it, if you went over it again, kind of like you were saying she does, it it doesn't really take that much time just to kind of go through it and refresh yourself what you're going to do. Right. I think that's great. And I never heard of actually writing down things like you said you had done. Like no one ever taught me to do that. Did your instructor teach you to do that? What, where did you learn that? Yes and no. Like my, my instructor, my initial was very laid back and it was more like, you know, if, if I was going an hour flight or, you know, if I'm flying 60 miles at the 30 mile mark, I would switch the tanks and I would write it down and then I would do it at the next 60. Like after I took off, then I'd switch it back and, you know, I'd write that down, you know, and it was just to keep me aware of a where I am in my route and I I kind of tried to plan without floor flight and all of that when I was first learning so that it was by map and I'm like okay the next town on my note card is Jacksonville it should be off to my right and I'd look over and I'd be like oh yep there it is you know and then oh there should be another town to my left and that should be this just because that kept me like thinking about what my next thing was yeah yeah and not yeah yeah I mean that part I I, I typically would do it's the engine stuff I never really paid any attention to I never had any kind of log and um actually on the flight back me that was teaching me how to do that because she wanted to see if there were trends you know and and what the what the engine was doing along the way which I had never thought to do that if you know, it's like, that's not that hard. I can totally do that. I have a clipboard, a pad right on my knee. Right. It doesn't, I can do that every 20 minutes or something, you know, that's not hard at all. And I think it is uh, important. I did that on, I think I first start, started that when I was ferrying an airplane with my CFI from Idaho and all of those gauges were there and the numbers were there. And my other airplanes that I typically fly weren't that specific. So I was like, Oh, well, I'm going to, yeah, write these down because, you know, you could add a little mixture and it would cool it a little bit, you know, the engine and these like fine tuning and they were in the Casey at Idaho backcountry had kind of like been like, okay, you need to keep these about this temperature. And, and that's where you're going to get like your best and everything. Right. Right. Yeah. 
you know, but like, yeah, who teaches you to start doing that? You know, unless you have somebody that yeah invested in your. Totally. That should be part of private pilot training, I think. Right. Yeah, it doesn't have you don't spend a lot of time doing it, but maybe, I don't know, maybe they don't do it because most people don't buy an airplane. Most of them are going to the airlines and they're not, I don't really know why they don't do it. It's not a something they really work on, but we totally digressed and we could talk about this incident for a long time, couldn't we? Yep. But uh, just stay tuned. Maybe, maybe you'll yeah. coming we'll up. totally have some more. So, Heather, let's talk about her. She's so awesome. I want to be her so bad. She's perfect. I want to be Heather when I grow up, except yeah. <laughs> that I'm a little bit more grown up than she was when she was doing all this cool stuff. Right? Yeah. What did you What did you take away from that? You know, it really hit me. You know, it's like I got goosebumps when she was talking about her her being a part of the um, 9-11 stuff. And I think that's for everybody because it brings you back to where you were at that time. And everybody is the country coming together. Give me goosebumps. But definitely what I took from part of her, I think she said at one point that she was just at the right place at the right time. And she is a very special person. She's an amazing person. But her story could have been anyone in that position. But it was her. And, you know, she 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 was just doing her duty and it, it's just amazing that I thought yeah. it was just like, I did never really heard of her and that whole thing until Oshkosh, I guess last year at theater so, in the woods. Right. Yeah. And it, it kind of amazes me because it, or just reminds me that there's things going on in the background. We don't know about all the time. Yeah. Right. Heroes like all the time willing to, to risk their lives and, you know, it's like, wow, what she was doing that. I had no idea what was going I was on. In, I was in junior high sitting in my I was changing for P.E. And then we got called to, like, go watch it on the news. And I was like, what's the Pentagon? What's <laughs> the World Trade Center? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how naive was I at that age? Right. And yeah, well, you totally just aged me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I had my second child. At that time. And I was actually sitting uh, in the living room watching TV that morning. Um, I was feeding him and it happened. I was watching it. So it's, you know, it's something that you kind of never forget. And I was like, what the heck is going on? This is crazy. Right. And, and the funny thing was her saying like, oh, we were just in a meeting. This guy came in and some someone said, oh, a plane hit the World Trade Center. And they were like, oh, let's just dust it up off the street because it's probably mm-hmm. a Cessna 172 that got into IMC and hit the building. And then the next, you know, then they come back and say a second had hit. And it's just the fact that they didn't know it was an airline and, and then the building collapsing and then what that meant for them. And the other pilots were gone and, but they couldn't get the clearance to take off. And just, I mean, the whole, I'm goosebumps now. I mean, like, just to look back and think that, oh, my God, I was a part of that day in such a big yeah. way. Yeah, that's uh, it, it is quite amazing. And she is quite amazing. She's obviously a huge uh, lover of aviation. Absolutely. Um, and women she has a dream. 
that we didn't even discuss on this episode, and I wish we had, but she had told me at Oshkosh, her dream is to have uh, an aircraft, like several, I want to say like, and she may, she's going to hear this probably, and she'll reach out to me and correct me, I'm sure. I want to say she has like, I don't know, she wants like five or six classic kind of airplanes and kind of have this club that people can be a part of and have access to these planes. And they pay like a, you know, like a yearly membership fee and they can basically choose one of these cool airplanes. And I think she said she'd like to have kind of like a vacation camp thing where people go to this place for like a week and pay for this vacation and they have the access and ability to just fly all these different airplanes that they wouldn't typically have access to or be able to afford. That's kind of her dream thing that she would love to do. Well, if she needs someone to run maybe a spa on that vacation rental or maybe a CFI eventually for all those airplanes or, you know, I'll work there. Yeah, I, I, surely I can find something to do there. I would totally be into that. That'd be so cool. Yeah. So I am planning on going uh, to D.C. Um, the last weekend of September, September 25th weekend. What are you doing that weekend? I will be in Lexington. Oh, what's in Lexington? Biggest fly-in of my year. Always. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me about that. That's right. Yeah, well, so. You always are planning these crazy weekends every weekend. And I'm like, girl, you're putting too much on my schedule, but I want to go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Or no, How did you get so September? busy? Because you, you said September, right? September. September oh, 25th. I think October is when I go to Lexington. September. September 25th. Pull out your calendar, girl, and look at it. <laughs> oh, I got it out. Don't you kid yourself. So, uh I, I don't know if Blakesburg's been canceled, the vintage airplane. I don't I haven't heard much on I that. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, Deerman flying has been canceled, but Aww. here that there's still a few ish like forty Steermans going. Oh. Um <laughs> and the twenty sixth weekend of September is Girls in Aviation Day and Taste of Hope in St. Louis with Wings oh. of Hope. Oh, okay doing girls in aviation day and okay gotcha yeah well that'll that'll be fun i am going to see our previous guest aaron miller and heather penny has offered me you know a place if i need a place i do have a place to stay at this point my good friend um ted greenfield of over 50 and learning to fly has offered me his condo he may not be in town but he said i could use it Anyway, which is in a really cool spot. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, Heather is, she really wants to make a difference in getting more women in aviation. And she has a really huge vision. And we had talked a little bit about what it takes to get more women in aviation, how you need to kind of maybe target younger ages, the high school ages, things like that, that give them, you know, and we talked about this briefly too. I, I grew up in a small town. You grew up in a small town. Uh, aviation was not a career option in the guidance counselor's office. <laughs> nope, they didn't give me that option. They gave me like nursing, uh, trade school. Yeah. Uh, that was about it. Right. right. Military. 
Yeah. So how do we get more women into aviation? What would be, how do you think it should, it would happen the best way? I mean, it's really just getting out there. And I mean, we're in our kind of bubble of aviation and social media, but like if kids don't know to be looking at that, how do they know? Cause I yeah. did it obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially I would love to be going to high schools, to colleges, to speaking to young children. And I'm kind of working on something in my area to work with the work program um, that goes through some of our schools and kind of go in and maybe speak to them about that option. Um, I'm also a salon owner. So, you know, just entrepreneur and kind of giving yourself this wide option and not just looking at college trade you know, military and finding something you're actually passionate about. Yeah. I'm hopeful that with social media, they do have more access to, to see different types of things. That's my hope. Now, I don't know how as a teenager, because I wasn't a teenager using social media. Right. I don't know how you find these things because you're usually just kind of stick with your friends on, on social media stuff. And it kind of like shows you things that you're already interested in. So, you know, it's right. like they're watching TikTok and these kids doing dances, right. but they're not following the airplanes because they don't even know that general aviation right. is out there or, you know, these careers in aviation are out there. Yeah. So, so what do you think? Um, because people ask all the time, um, what is it that what part of your personality you think? makes you want to be a pilot there's something in certain people that they have that being a pilot is just something very interesting and very satisfying not everyone is like that what is it what's that character trait what is that thing I don't know I yeah I think it's the first thing that I found as an adult that gives me peace that made me so proud of myself, you know, in high school and things, you have sports to make you, you know, like here's, you know, where you measure up to other people kind of thing where you don't have like competition or you don't have things that challenge you necessarily. You're just going through day to day. Like I have to keep my kids alive. I have to feed myself. I have to do the laundry, but you don't, you don't push yourself to do more. And I think aviation was like the first thing for me that I'm like pushing myself out of my normal bubble to do. And now I love it. Like it's, I mean, when I'm stressed, I want to fly. I want to adventure. I want to, I don't know. It's just something I never thought I could ever do in my life. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. Like, I can't really say exactly what that one thing, like if there's a commonality between all female pilots, a common trait, is it adventure? Is it wanting satisfaction? Is it the really having that desire to be like an individual and have something unique to yourself? I don't know. And, that, you know, if we found that out and knew kind of the key to that, we might be able to reach more women and appeal to that type of thing. I don't don't know. I feel like I'm like different or 
like unique because I fly until I'm around like a hundred other people that are like, oh my gosh, you fly airplanes. And I'm like, Ooh, cringe. (laughs) You know, it's like in a sea of pilots, I'm just a normal person. Right. Which is pretty rare. I mean, the pilots are rare, but you don't feel that with the aviation community being so inclusive, uh, inclusive for the most part. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, it's very much this like inner circle that we don't know exists until you're on the outer circle. And uh, I mean, I didn't know any pilots until I became a pilot. I never went to air show until I was six months into my, after my private pilot. So it's, I think we just need exposure. We need to get kids out there and get them excited about living a little bit differently and show them what that means. Yeah. I think for me, and I don't know how to to describe this, and it's taken me a while to kind of come to this, but, you know, when I was going through separation and divorce and really figuring out what it was that I really valued and what was important to me, something that's important to me was being an individual, an individual type type of thing or something. I've always kind of wanted to feel different and unique i'd never really liked feeling like the same as everybody else to be defined by something you wanted something that made you feel special or feel different in some way that i I stood out and i always kind of had that desire i mean i can remember as a teenager having that desire i would try things that not many people would try just because i thought well i want to do it because not many people do it and that kind of weird yeah (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to wear studded belts and be a little different. Yeah. Right. And I always kind of felt bad about it. I felt guilty about it for a long time because I felt like that wasn't right. Like I should, I should want to blend in more and I wasn't really happy trying to blend in more. I never felt content with that. Yeah. I totally agree with that. But look at us now. I know. Well, we are not, I feel like I'm in a good spot. Do you? I think so. I think I've really in the last three years found myself and found that I'm, I was put on this earth to do something more than just exist and work a monotonous job. I love my job, but it's definitely, everything's taught me to really appreciate life and days and adventure and it sounds weird to say, but my whole life changed when I found airplanes because I'm like, I can do anything. Like nobody can stop me. I can fly right. a dang airplane, you know? It's right. Like, totally. It, it just, that was so true. It was like me starting fly girl. It was like, well, I can start a company. Yeah. I can fly. Yeah. Why, why can't I be an entrepreneur? Why can't I start my own brand? Why can't I sell fly girl product? I mean, it was just like this whole new world opened up and possibilities of things that, well, heck, I can try that. I can do that. I mean, you know, like I'm not? a terrible speaker. I'm terrible, but I'm like, but now I have a podcast with you. And if I can have a podcast, if I can fly an airplane, if I can own my own business, why can I not go and talk to teenagers about right. living their life? And, you know, it didn't, you don't have to be forced into a job that you dislike. You should Find something that you are passionate about and go for it. Yeah, totally. So. Well, I think we should end it on that. I think oh, that was okay. great. 
Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I enjoyed it. And, you know, Heather, we, we love you, Heather. We think you're great. I can't wait to see you. I know that our paths are going to cross a lot. We kind of went on a kind of got off topic about Heather, but I do think, you know, having women like that around us probably helps us know that we can do things like land an airplane on a highway. It pushes me to be better to connect with those women because they're they're there to support each other and not be comparing ourselves to each other. We're always just going to make each other better, stronger. Right. And they're not backing down from things. Right. They they go at it. Yeah. Right. We need those women in the world. We need those go-getters. So I appreciate Heather and um, what she did for our country and uh, what she continues to do for the women in aviation. Right. What she represents. She's awesome. I can't wait to spend more time with her. Um, I'm jealous. I'm totally going to stalk her. <laughs> Just FaceTime me when you get there so I can like I'm somewhere. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Cockpit. Ah, I always get tongue tied of Cockpits and Cocktails. We have a really cool guest lined up for next time. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, probably continue our discussion on the incident and our lives and aviation. Yeah. So stay tuned and we will talk to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Cockpits and Cocktails with your hosts, Natalie Flygirl Kelly and Fly Alyssa. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time for a lively discussion on aviation, aerospace, the air travel industry, and all things flight related. Aerospace and the air travel industry. Let it go to my head, I should have